Welcome to IdeaGen TV. Today, thrilled to have with us Raul Andrews Jr., Executive Director of the American Psychiatric Association Foundation. Raul, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, George. You know, Raul, changing the world is not easy. And, you know, we have had literally thousands of interviews with global leaders like yourself. And, you know, as IdeaGen started with our late founder and chairman and mentor, former Congressman Louis Stokes, who recently we just had his, uh, his birthday celebration posthumously. And, you know, it's a reminder that we all stand on the shoulders of giants. It's an absolute fact, without a doubt, that we stand on the sh shoulders of giants. And to be here with you today, Raul, is special because you're working on such important issues perhaps the most important issues of the day. I'd like to begin by asking you, what is new? What is on the horizon for you and the APAF in 2023? That is a good question and a fair question, George. Uh, I don't think our issue is the most important, but it's all consuming. There is no health without mental health. And for too long, we have separated our priorities around physical health to the detriment of our mental health when really they're together. And so what I'm here to do to announce to you is that I'm gonna take the first $2 million out of our treasury to launch a positive public education campaign around mental health awareness, behavior, and attitude. Our goal is to mainstream mental wellness. And in terms of mainstream and mental wellness, what we're going to do is land CNR approach starting right here at IdeaGen to talk about how we take this heightened awareness we had around mental health and turn it into what we call the first step to action. The first step to action here at IdeaGen TV is part of the Global Innovation Summit and the Washington Roundtable. Raul, phenomenal. And so I could not have teed it up any better to say that we all stand on the shoulders of giants. You are announcing a groundbreaking initiative right here at IdeaGen, and we're humbled and honored by that. We're humbled and honored to watch what you and the APAF are doing. And so I'd like to ask you, you know, we're talking about leaders, we're talking about standing on the shoulders of giants. How do you embody and create that collaboration that's so critical to achieving these goals? So it's taken decades to get here. Uh, but what I like to talk about are the five rights that Mr. Raw has to prevent a wrong. So Mr. Raw's five rights, very simply, you gotta have the right people in the right place, doing the right thing at the right time, at the right cost. And if you reverse engineer any go or no go decision, and you find out which one of those rights went wrong, you're going to have your answer to how to keep improving continuously time over time. But it starts with the right people, because it doesn't matter what your strategy is. Your culture is going to eat your strategy for breakfast. So if you got the wrong people, the best strategy is going to fail. And then you just work through the continuum. And then sometimes uh, we purposely put right cost, because sometimes the greatest idea cannot be met because we don't have the resources or we've said this is a priority. And then we look at the pie chart, but we're really spending all our time and our money somewhere else. So if it's your number one priority, 
Wow. Show me how you spend your time. Show me how you spend your money. I'll tell you what your real priorities are. That is, you know, simple, but yet so phenomenally profound. I, you know, in this age with AI and chat GPT and all the things that we're looking at now with technology, it's fascinating to me personally and professionally that you would, you would focus on people. I didn't hear you say the tech, the technology. I didn't hear you say um, anything other than the fulcrum, which is the people. And obviously the funds around it. But if you have the, the wrong people around an issue, it's not going to, you're not going to get there. Garbage in, garbage out, whether it's tech <laughs> or anything else, right? right? If you've got the wrong people doing tech, right. where do you think you're going? Right, right, <laughs> right, right. And so education and training. And the foundation support of that. How do you support this ongoing professional training and development of those critical folks, the mental health professionals? So one of the big things I'm proudest of is this is the 50th anniversary of HHSS Minority Fellowship Program. And we have been a host of the program all 50 years. But we've taken what the HHS gave us through the SAMHSA agency. And we've created another platform with our own assets, thanks to the benevolence of our donors. And so we host nearly 200 medical residents across the United States and North America in a two-year rotation training program. And that covers child and adolescent psychiatry, covers community psychiatry, forensic psychiatry, geriatric psychiatry, uh, and so forth. And so what we're doing is giving a moonshot. And let me just tell you quickly what that looks like. The CEO of APA was a fellow in our program. The national president of APA was a fellow in our program. The speaker of our assembly and the speaker elect and the recorder of our general assembly were APA fellows. Uh, finally, uh, there are usually four fellows on our board of trustees, which is our governing board, and one fellow that sits on our philanthropic foundation board. So we're constantly putting folks in positions of power and influence so that they can train for leadership. And then we add to that, not only the experiential component, but we invest nearly a million dollars every year in formal traditional professional development. And that's whether that's brought in house or we're sending people to conferences, conventions and so forth. The only thing I'm now asking is that sometimes, let's make sure we're both faculty and student in those external programs. Because you're going to learn from doing that as well. You're going to learn from doing that as well. And I think that with this just exponential announcement, a here at idea, I'm still not past that. I'm still going back to that for a moment because I feel like to make an announcement to double, triple, quadruple down to say we're making a financial commitment to mainstreaming mental health and awareness of it, that the foundation that the APA are behind this in this critical time post-COVID. You know, it's sort of like the entire planet has been obviously through the same thing for the first time in human history. And mental health is probably, as, as I mentioned earlier, I believe that it's, it's probably one of the, if not the number one issue, a tangent to the number one issue. So, George, let me say one other thing about the First Step campaign. Yeah. This is not a hit and run. Mm -hmm. This is a five to seven year commitment. So year over year, although we cannot do it alone, and you and I have talked before, and, and hopefully we'll talk today about the power of collaboration, mm -hmm. right? 
But we're going to stick in this. So the first phase of First Step is just to focus on the treatability of baseline mental illnesses, depression, anxiety, PTSD. These are treatable conditions, mm -hmm. but people suffer in silence. They self-diagnose, mm -hmm. and then sometimes they self-medicate. Mm -hmm. We can stop that. After we get through phase one and move to phase two, we move from awareness to behavior. Sure. Now what we're going to say is when you go to any health provider, you don't have to necessarily go to a psychiatrist. Now, this is weird from a medical society. We're not saying come to the APA. We're saying when you go to your gynecologist, when you go to your pediatrician, when you go to your primary care, and they talk about how your knee might need replacement, how you feel about that, stay in that conversation with that medical professional. That's all about behavior. Right. And then when we get to the third phase, what we hope all will say is there is no health without mental health. I mean, George, when we came up, all you ever saw was GM and Ford cars on the commercials, right? Now everything is what's your A1C score. No, nobody talks about diabetes and stigma. Nobody talks about HIV and stigma. They're just talking about how do you live your life with a chronic illness. That might be our situation wow. with mental health. That's incredible. And I'd like to go back to, let's, let's dig deeper on the collaboration piece. How are you and the APA and the APAF collaborating with external organizations to move the needle, right? You can't do it alone. I've heard you say that many times. You can't do it alone. So how do you do it and collaborate successfully? The prime directive of the APA Foundation is to expand and amplify the work of the American Psychiatric Association. We have 37,000 physician psychiatrists as our members in the United States and 100 countries around the world. What your audience needs to know and what I'm happy to share with you, on Saturday, we will be sponsoring in Barbados a forensic psychiatry conference. Wow. They did, three weeks from now, we're going to do a neurodiversity conference in Morocco that culminates in the 80th anniversary of, dare I say it, Casablanca. So oh, wow. in addition to, so what we do is we look at three pillars mm -hmm. of collaboration. One is the foundation as a convener. The, the second pillar is the foundation as a thought leader, where we bring our physician psychiatrists to add some something beyond WebMD sure. to try to solve these problems. And then the last one is our philanthropic team. So we will uh, create micro-grant platforms for community-based mental health organizations of close to $4 million in 2023 alone. And if you look over the course of the 30-year history, of our foundation, that's well over $30 million of investment in community. We can do more, we need to do more, but I think as people get to know us better, we'll be able to better serve the needs of humanity. That's 100% true. And as you're, you're, you're leading, obviously you're collaborating, you're making such an incredible impact. What about crisis and mental health services? How do you support those within the context of the broader issue? How are you adding that element of support? And, and stepping back for a moment, I'd like to also put a finer point on the fact that the APA and the APAF are trusted sources of information. I wanna put a, a underscore, put a finer point on it, dot the I, cross the T and say, Today, today, with the plethora of information that we have, that's, you know, uh, I'm not feeling well today. Type that in. What comes up? First, it's ads, maybe. Then it's 
information, but is it accurate? Is it trusted? I want to let our global audience know that the APAF, the APA are source, sources of the most incredibly trusted, vetted, thoroughly reviewed information. And if you're searching for that information, I think that's an important note for this entire conversation because there is a lack of trusted sources of information. Where do you go? Where do you begin? I'd like you to speak to that for a moment because it's just profound. So the APA has been around since 1844, continuously operating in a hundred countries around the world. Uh, we own and publish uh, what is the definitive source of mental and behavioral health, the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual for Mental Disorders. We're now in our fifth text revision iteration. They've just formed the committee for DSM-6. We don't know how long it's going to take to put it together, uh, but we're looking at trying to make sure we add a technology piece to the DSM because like everything else, things are moving at light speed and, and most of us have a microwave mentality, particularly coming out of the pandemic. So they don't want to wait six or seven years for a new book. So we might have to publish parts or chapters oh, wow. as we're putting the book together. Sure. Uh, the other thing is, again, when you got these 37,000 physician psychiatrists, and I emphasize that because in order to be a psychiatrist, that's four years of medical school, that's four years of residency, sometimes two years of fellowship, then you can become attending. Mm -hmm. And there might be another subspecialty there. So uh, what we're trying to do in that thought leadership lane, that pillar I talked about, is to make sure our publications, uh, our partnerships, uh, our hiring, uh, retentioning, and, and, and bonus structure and our salary for our team all meets a test where people not only say they care about mental health as part of First Step, they're doing something about it. They're doing something about it. That's right. And it underscores, again, the importance of having the thought leadership combined with the trusted source embedded information that you're helping folks across the planet, literally, understand and have access to. That's what we're talking about, right? That's correct. I had the firefighters in the uh, police department of Alexandria County in my office Friday of last week, and we were talking about first responder burnout, anxiety, PTSD. And it was a riveting discussion about how we meet the needs of our heroes who are suffering in their own right. And in what we see in many jurisdictions, including in the Metro Washington area, mm -hmm. it looks like crime is up because we don't have enough people on the beat. People are walking away from the profession in droves. They can't take it anymore. They don't want to take it. You know, and the same thing is happening uh, in our uh, mental and uh, physical health community. So we have frontline healthcare workers mm -hmm. walking away from the profession. We have three and four year medical students who've decided after all that hard work from kindergarten to medical school, I don't want to be a doctor anymore. I want to go do something else. Yeah. yeah. And we just don't have enough capacity. So we got to do something to change that narrative. We hope First Step is going to be a good way to get people moving in that direction. And that's such a great point. I mean, I think that, that, that everything, and I've always believed this, but everything, you know, the, the premise of IdeaGen has always been cross-sector. The notion of cross-sector collaboration. Why? Because we've always believed that solutions oftentimes lie perhaps one sector over. Like you had the firefighters in, you had the police in, you have these first responders that you just take for granted are resilient. They can deal with anything. 
but yet they're dealing with the same exact thing that the rest of the population is dealing with. And I take it back to the fact that, again, we've all been through this, this time with COVID and perhaps we're post COVID now, et cetera, where the entire world suffered through PTSD. I mean, you recall Bocelli singing in the Duomo in Milan early in the early days and the whole world looked as though it was going to be over. No mm -hmm. one knew, no one knew. And now these same people that are on the front lines, the healthcare workers, like you mentioned, the police, the firefighters, all of these people have the same exact issues. And the APAF and the APA are leading the way to, hide, to shine a big bright light on it, to say, look, we understand what you're going through. You talk about crime. If the crime is going up because people are just leaving the profession, well, that's something that needs to be addressed, and you're addressing it with the first step. Is that right? That's what we're trying to do. We're playing our position. Right. We let the investment bankers play their position. Right. You know, we're going to let the lawyers play their position. Right. But we have to play the mental health position. And if we don't do it, WebMD is not going to do it. You're not going to be able to turn off your device and just say, I'm not going to be on social media for three days. I'm going to feel better in 72 hours. Right. It's not how it works. And, you know, so I think we've landed in, a, in an incredible place with just an understanding for our global audience, for the millions of people that are watching this program on IdeaGen TV, youth and adolescence. You know, it's shocking oftentimes. Uh, it's sad, underscore. Uh, it is profoundly disturbing in certain times when you're watching any program or reading about issues across the nation and across the world where youth have taken a wrong turn, uh, mass school shooting, you could go on and on, right? What are you, the APA and Aladdin, the APAF collectively as one entity doing to help address and develop school-based um, learning around mental health? So we have been fortunate to receive a grant from HHS to launch a program called Notice Talk Act at School. Notice Talk Act at School is three principles. You notice when behavior is out of the ordinary or off the spectrum. Then you have bridge instead of barrier words. That's talk. Because if somebody is sullen and pulling in, you got to be able to pull them back out and see what's going on without being overly intrusive. And then the action. We don't know what all the actions might be. It might be therapy. It might be diet. It might be sleep. You know, it could be moving to a different part of the house or to an entire different uh, premises altogether. But Notice Talk Act, the good thing about it, the focus is not primarily on the student. The focus in the schools is on the educator, whether that's an administrator or a teacher, because we need the students ready to learn. We need the teachers to be able to make sure they're equipped. Right person, right place, right things, right time, right cost. We need the teacher and administrator to do that. We're doing the same thing, though, George, in the workplace. That's right. Because what staff say, I don't have time to take another training for my boss to get me. So notice Talk Act at work, same NTA. But now we're saying you're the people manager. You're the owner. You're the executive. You need to understand what's happening with your team before you send them out to play. They can't play at optimum capacity if something is going on that you could have noticed and then help them take some action on. 
That's a, it's a profound thought, but therein lies the importance and the leadership that you all are taking on, you know, head on, not only with dollars and commitments, but with all of the information and the training and the leadership that you're providing to help folks address these issues before they become a significant, perhaps even catastrophic issue. And that's what we're talking about here, like convening. I'd like to go back to, to that for a moment, to convene these emergency responders, first responders, to convene them is a profound action. How did that come about? I'm just curious. Well, you talk about community. You know, yeah. a lot of times uh, it is organizations we've either funded in our philanthropic mm -hmm. lane or that we've worked with on programming to say, who are we missing uh, as we, and I like to look at the, uh, building of an ecosystem as we do first step. So there are eight lanes on the track. Mm -hmm. Not everybody, even though there's a stagger, not everybody's going to finish at the same time. We are committed that everybody get to the finish line to mental wellness. You notice I'm saying mental wellness, mm -hmm. not mental illness or mental health. We're talking about a mental wellness movement. We want everybody going around the track. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes partners say, Raul, could you do this? What was really fascinating when the meeting came together with the Northern Virginia law enforcement and firefighters, I told them, as I did today, I'll come across the pond to meet with you. And they told me, we think it's more important that we come to Washington to APA headquarters wow. because the meeting will have more international impact because it's not just however 2,000, 3,000 staff we have. It's 2 million staff across the country who need the kind of things we're doing. We want to learn more about it. And so I'll actually go to the uh, command center for Alexandria police uh, at the end of March, mm -hmm. including a tour of the jail, because one of the things we know, because we haven't taken the first step, two million people every year are booked, not because they are fierce criminals, violent criminals. They just have a mental health problem that's unaddressed. And they sit languishing in a jail cell, not in prison, uncharged, many times unconvicted, and then we put them back out on the street. And they realize, you know what, at least I had a place to sleep. At least I had three meals a day, even if they weren't the greatest meals. And if I'm out here on the street on my own, I'm fending for myself. Right. So then what's the cycle? Right. What do you decide to do? Right. Let me just loiter. Yeah. Or jaywalk or yell at somebody. Yeah. They're going to pick me up. They're going to put me right back. That's two million plus people. Cook County Jail. Metro Chicago. Cook County Jail is the largest mental health hospital in the United States. How yeah. are we going to get to a first step if the largest mental health hospital in the entire United States, 350 million people, and then look at what our mental health facilities look like. Here's how we got to get first step in architecture. When you talk about cross-industry, if you go to a cardiovascular or cancer institute, it looks like the Taj Mahal. <laughs> If you go to a mental health facility or drive by one, you're rolling up your windows, you're locking your doors, you're like, oh, don't look over there, it's a haunted house. Yeah. I've yet to see a majestic mental health facility, even when it was first constructed. We got to reverse engineer that, do a first step. So I need my architects, wherever they are in your audience. Let's design a better building so that it's more inviting for that Notice Talk Act to enter the door and get some wellness. And that's where it goes back to serving as the trusted source of information. If you're providing that, that bright light 
the bright light, like the late Colin Powell with America's Promise, who identified the thousand schools that are the dropout factories in America. It doesn't take much to shine a bright light on something and to direct the funds directly at the areas that need it to do the right thing. In the room, and we celebrate the memory, the legacy, the, the impact of the late great friend and mentor, Louis Stokes, who was in the room when IdeaGen was created. And if we could have cloned Lou, the country, the world would be a better place because he understood how to communicate, how to work, as he told me, within the system to change the system. And always underscored the fact that don't mistake being nice for being weak. Another lesson he taught me personally and professionally, don't mistake being nice for being weak. That applies to anything. It applies to what we're talking about here today with destigmatizing mental health and being able to help the folks that need it, the veterans, the, fr the first line providers, the mom at home was struggling, anyone, right? In this day and age, to be able to find that trusted source of information, to say, I'm gonna go to the APAF website. I'm gonna go to the APA website. I'm gonna find out more about the resources out there, about the opportunities to help change the world. You're feeling great? Find out more about what you're doing at the APAF to help others, how about that? Thank you so much for that, George. And if they can't get to the website, I know they can get to YouTube, and we are a trusted source for YouTube. And if you talk, type in Notice Talk Act framework, it's gonna pop right up and it takes less than 90 seconds to figure out what we're talking about and how we try to put it to use. Now, I'd like to wrap up this interview with a bow to say, what is your vision for the future? I think you've articulated in many ways today, but what is that, that elevator? What is that moment encapsulated in what the vision looks like for you and the APF and the APA? A mentally healthy nation for all, where we live, learn, work, worship, and play, period. And there you have it. Roll Andrews Jr., you're changing the world. And thank you so very much. How can folks find out more about what you're doing? www.apafdn.org. Thank you. Thank you, George.